Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pour Over, a podcast by Marcus Point Baptist Church. I am Preston Smith. I'm here uh, riding solo on this episode. Uh, Jacob asked me to share my testimony and my story with you guys. And so this is going to be a bit of a quicker one, as you can see in the, the timestamp. Uh, but what I would like to do is just, uh, first off, before we even get started, you may hear a little bit of some audio changes here, uh, maybe a li- even a little bit of background noise. One of the exciting things going on at our church right now is we're building a studio, and I'm so excited about it. I shout out uh, to Jeremy Daly and Evan and Zane and Brady Romine and all the different guys who have been uh, putting in that sweat equity trying to get this studio done, and it's going to expand a whole bunch of new ventures for us um, as a ministry here at Marcus Point Baptist. And uh, I couldn't be more excited. It'll definitely uh, upgrade pour over as well as uh, the expansion into other podcast avenues that our church is envisioning. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, if you have been listening so far, you are a legit fan. And so we uh, thank you uh, for your time. And we hope that you've learned a little bit. And it's not just uh, been me and Jacob just silly going back and forth telling dry humor. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, but before we get started, I guess I'll uh, just share a quick, uh, you know, we always have a fill it up segment with something humorous. And so I figured I would share a, a little story about uh, one time I was on a mission trip and, um, you know, I'm the missions pastor now. And so I've just got story after story when it comes to my time overseas. I'll, I can't uh, ever forget my last church in Alabama, I was invited to go on a 10-day long mission trip to Indonesia. Knew nothing about the country, and uh, it was a different time. Uh, and one of the, the details in this story is that I had really, really long hair, like really long hair. Like, have you ever seen Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai? I was definitely sporting like the Japanese bun. I had super long hair, and I was very, very proud of it. And I remember I went on this trip, and I was with a bunch of, uh, well, they weren't old, but they were a lot older than me, and they had a little bit more higher uh, ranked jobs than I did in the church. And so they were a little bit more buttoned up, and uh, I was just like this literal kid-looking individual going on this trip with them. And our our goal was to go from island to island and to share the gospel, uh, meet with church leaders, and help train them on theology, uh, different things like that. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, you got to think now, I'm this, you know, literally I looked like a kid, I had super long hair, I was wearing like these tight little like uh, lightweight pants that you use for hiking, and probably a v-neck or something. And we had to go to this island called Banda Aceh. And uh, if you don't know, Indonesia is one of the most concentrated areas in the world for uh, Islamic population. Um, and so there were more uh, people who followed Islam or Muslim um, in that country uh, than per capita per, in, per anywhere in the world. And so at least at that time. And we had to go to this island called Banda Aceh. And Banda Aceh was actually under martial law. So uh, the government had pulled out in terms of, uh, you know, giving any safety or a lot of control. They were more like low government there. So we're pretty nervous because, you know, flying into already Indonesia, but to this specific island to where if there was any danger, this was probably at the height of it for us as missionaries. And I'll never forget, we got uh, out of our little plane in Banda Aceh and we were walking through the airport and... 
just over the intercom of this airport, somebody's like speaking over and over and over again. And he, and the guy keeps saying Americans, Americans, Americans. And, uh, we were like freaking out. We had no idea what was about to happen because we, we knew what we stuck out like a sore thumb, but we had no idea really what was, you know, about to take place. And when we got out into the gate to get to our taxi, there must've been 50 to a hundred people just taking pictures of me. And I was so freaked out and I was looking around and everybody was like following me around with these like massive cameras. And I was looking to like all my, you know, all my missionary buddies and they, they had no idea what was going on either. And so naturally, because everybody's pointing the cameras at me, they started like kind of getting in front of me and blocking and it just got even worse. And they were, you know, just taking pictures of all of us. And we got in the taxi, just freaked out. Like what happened? I thought I was going to get kidnapped. But as we were going, our translator was losing his mind. He was laughing so hard. And I, I asked him, I was like, dude, what is it? You know, like his name was Congan. And I was like, Congan, what is what has happened? And he said, dude, they thought that you were a celebrity because you were wearing, you had this long hair with this V-neck on. And he said, and all the guys with you who were older guys, like I said, they were buttoned up. They were all wearing the same thing that, that day. They didn't plan on it, but they were all wearing khaki shorts a black button up shirt and you know, like these hiking boots. So they looked like security guards. And so for some reason, just by the way I was dressed and the way they were dressed and my stupid long hair, they thought that I was Justin Bieber. They thought that I was like, uh, is it it, Brady? Is it Drake or Josh from Drake and Josh that, you know, had like the longer hair. Yeah. It was Drake. Yeah. So I think some of them thought I was that guy, but I had never been more freaked out in my life. And so you never know what's going to happen on a mission trip. Some wild things happen when you go into foreign land. But uh, yeah, but anyway, once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of my story. I know Jacob got to share his and uh, he did a really good job. And um, what I would say first um, concerning a testimony is a, a testimony is when you talk about uh, what your life was like before you met Christ, before you created, before you and Jesus come together, you and God, and it was a relationship formed there. And and to to tell a testimony uh, well, you have to speak about what it was like beforehand, what was the moment of that relationship and the beginning of that, and then how your uh, life follows after, and what are the big changes. Um, a testimony needs those three parts. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about mine. Um, I grew up in a small town in uh, Mississippi. Uh, if you're leaving Mobile and trying to get to Hattiesburg, you're obviously on Highway 98. And literally, there's like this uh, like this Holiday Inn in Loosedale. You'll pass right through Loosedale, one red light, um, before going in there. But um, to the right of that is this massive you know, tree line, and my house is behind all of that. And uh, so I grew up in this really small town, I think about 10,000 people, and you know, I grew up in church, sort of. I, I went to church when I, and until I was about 10, I was in church at a Baptist church. Um, Rocky Creek was the name of it. And I didn't really go back until I was probably 14. But, you know, my childhood growing up was very country-esque. You know, um, I lived on this 
piece of land that was shared by a lot of my family. And so I had my parents' house that you would see immediately if you were pulling up in the driveway. But further into the dead end road was my grandparents' house. And then if you went all the way down at the end, you would see my aunt and uncles. I had another aunt and uncle living right off the road uh, next to our house. And so literally my whole family unit was on this one piece of land. And so all of my cousins and my family, when we had get-togethers, it wasn't hard at all. We just walked up the hill and we went to our grandparents' house. And uh, it was involved with a bunch of things that 90s kids did, like drinking all kinds of different sodas that you had no idea if it was good for you or not. You know, it was watching you know, cartoons, it was playing video games, it was riding four-wheelers, it was getting to go to a friend's house every weekend and then stay the night. And, you know, and so I had a very, very normal childhood. And uh, and when it came to church, you know, I was like most people who grew up in church. You know, you're there, you're in the pew, you're listening, you're, you're trying to take in as much as you can. Uh, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it, your parents make you go. Uh, that was my, that was my rap. And when I got back into church after a couple years off, I, I was, I think, I believe I was 13 or 14 years old. I was in middle school and we did this thing called D Now. Okay. And so some of you already know what I'm talking about. At our church, we call it Remastered Weekend. At other churches, they call it something else. But basically, it's a premier thing in youth ministry where you have overnight stays. You get to go to some stranger's house who's a member of the church and you stay the night. You hang out with your friends and you know you eat you know Cheetos till 2 a.m. and then you go to these ser- services and the services have speakers and worship and games and um, you know big activities and and things like that and uh, I was at a friend of mine's house uh, actually lived on the same road I did and uh, I remember I was with all my buddies and we had our, our leader his name was Justin Justin was a baseball player for the University of Mobile, uh, just really up the road from about 30, 40 miles up the road from my house. And, um, you know, Justin was a really good guy. And I just thought he was so cool because he was literally an athlete in college. And in my town that I grew up in, you didn't ever see that. Uh, Maybe in bigger cities and stuff, you see athletes all the time going to college to play sports. But to me, that was like at the top. So his influence to me was pretty maxed out. I was listening to whatever he said. Um, the entire time, I didn't really know that I wasn't a Christian. I just thought I had you know, gotten the participation trophy. I think that's kind of subconscious to a lot of people who grow up in church. And I remember it was last night, and he asked uh, one of us to pray. Nobody wanted to pray. That is not something a middle school boy ever wants to do in public ever. You couldn't pay him unless the kid just wants attention. And uh, I really wasn't one of those. But uh, since I waited around and none of my friends wanted to, Justin looked at me and I was like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll do it. And so at this moment, I had to basically uh, re-upload all of the last 10 years of my church experience, you know, the words and the verbiage and the acronyms and all the different things that we say, uh, spiritual language. And I just inserted all of it as like word vomit into this prayer that lasted about two minutes. Man, I threw all kinds of words in there, I'm sure. Um, It was enough to get Justin's attention that I was really trying to lay it on thick. And after the two-minute prayer, I thought it was the best prayer in the world. And it kind of it was our last night, so it kind of wrapped up the the last like spiritual hoorah, you know, of the weekend. And Justin asked if I could go outside and we could talk. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I thought that was so cool because this guy wanted to sit down and talk with me individually. So we went outside and we're on these rocking chairs. 
and uh, you know we're talking, and uh, he he tells me, "Hey, man, like Preston, you that prayer was interesting, man." It's <laughs> like, yeah, thanks so much. I I I you know, and I was really just like taking in the credit, you know. And he said, yeah, but there's there's a problem with it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Did I say something wrong? Yeah, what was the word that I said wrong or missed the meaning of? And he was like, no, 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 you're, you're missing the meaning of prayer entirely. You were not praying to anybody but yourself. And man, that crushed me And because I, I thought he was really disappointed in me and I felt like I had lost his approval. And so we started talking back and forth and he started explaining to me, that you know, prayer isn't just a thing that gets us well or you know reestablishes who we are in that moment or that day and brings us health and wealth and prosperity or any of that. It, it that it's about Jesus and and creating a relationship with Jesus and uh, tightening that bond. And I had no idea who Jesus was in church. You hear God, you hear the Holy Spirit, you hear Jesus, you hear salvation, you hear repentance, but they can get so wordy that we tend to just subconsciously mesh them all together like a woven fabric. And although Jesus is God and God is the Holy Spirit and all the way around, that's the Trinity, I didn't know that. Man, I didn't know any of that. I I didn't know really the big difference between God and the big difference between Jesus. So Justin begins to share the gospel with me. And it was incredible uh, hearing it for the first time. And I had been living with guilt for quite a while because my friends that were upstairs hanging out and, you know, shooting pool or doing whatever they were doing while I'm sitting here having this conversation, we had grown up together our whole life. And we were in middle school at that moment. And up through elementary school, everything was cool, easy. You know, I could go to any of their houses and vice versa and hang out. There was no issues. But in middle school, a lot of my friends started getting into things uh, like drugs and, you know, heavy cursing and hanging out with the wrong crowd, all this different stuff, right? Normal middle school stuff. And I didn't really want to live that way. It was just kind of intrinsic within me. I, believe, I see it now that that was the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart towards and drawing me to Jesus uh, slowly but surely. And I saw that there was there was something there. So I listened to everything Justin said. He led me through the sinner's prayer and to repent of my sins. I really learned what repentance was. And I accepted Christ in that moment. And I'll never forget when I, when I was done, I opened my eyes and um, I was an emotional little kid. I was crying, but I didn't really know why. <laughs> and we started to talk and I was like, okay, and I'm sure many of you thought the same thing. What do I do now? And Justin simply told me, well, now you are going through this process of becoming more like Jesus. You read God's word, you see how God lived, how his son lived and his example, and you try to draw yourself towards that while abstaining from evil. And I thought, well, right now, Justin, the evil that's in my life that surrounds me, yeah, it's myself, but it's also the people that I've surrounded myself with. And that was my first step of repentance, was walking away from friendships that were going down the wrong path. But those were the only friends I had. That was difficult because... That was really one of the most precious things to me. In middle school and high schoolers, that is one of the most precious things to them, is their friends. And so if the idea of losing their friends for the gospel is one of the hardest things to teach. I, I can attest to that, being in student ministry, uh, serving for a long time myself. And But that was my first step. And, and sure enough, I, I did have to part away from some of those friends. Years later, uh, I ended up moving to a different church 
downtown First Baptist, where ironically, you know, the guy's rocking chair that I was sitting in his house, that guy ended up becoming my youth pastor, uh, Rob Hilbin. And he began to disciple me over the next three years, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. He was my youth pastor. And that's where I surrendered to ministry. And that's where I really started to begin my journey into uh, just being full in on sharing the gospel with people. Um, I wasn't good at school, terrible, really bad, uh, made my age <laughs> the first time I took the ACT, didn't even know you could do that, and uh, didn't get much higher from there. Um, I think I ended up landing with a 20, and so my intellect was not good enough to get me any scholarships at college, so I just busted my butt in playing sports, um, and I wasn't really good at soccer, but I was great at tennis, and so I played tennis a lot and started, you know, back then... I can't even remember the name of the website, but it was kind of before like max preps and all of that, uh, where you could document like your skill in a sport and you could advertise yourself to colleges. So I was going to colleges all over the place and they were offering me scholarships, but nothing really substantial. So I went to University of Mobile where my mentor, Rob Hilbin, had gone to actually play baseball himself. And I tried out for that team and I made the team and they gave me a really good scholarship for it. So from there, you know, that's really all she wrote for four years. Um, I played, you know, for two of those four years, I played tennis. But for four years, I was in Bible school, um, got a double major in theology and humanities, really enjoyed my time there, uh, preached all the time to little churches um, to guys who are thinking about getting into ministry and things like that, my encouragement to you is preach. Preach to churches. Find churches that don't have a pastor and really practice. Because if you struggle speaking on stage or carrying a room or any of that, that's a good way. And there are always churches looking for people to fill in their pulpit and to and to help them out. And so uh, God at that point, after you know I began my relationship with him, started to form in me uh, the desire to... Uh, be in ministry, uh, also be missionary. I was on mission trips. I went to Ecuador and Mexico um, and Peru uh, through that time. And when I got done with college, I really was like in a bubble. I felt like, you know, Bible colleges, sometimes they have a little bit like of an insulation. Um, if you just talk to anybody who went to like a Bible university, like a William Carey, University of Mobile, Samford, uh, Liberty, any of those things, you can kind of be in a bubble. And I felt that. And also had a lot of debt because, like I said, my scholarships did not really do me all that well. So I had just been stacking on debt. And I had a friend of mine, she was in Taiwan teaching English as a second language. And we just had a conversation about it. And she encouraged me that if I really wanted to go all in on it, it's a great way to pay off your loans. So I went into that process and learned you know, how to get a certification and put my resume out there and start getting job offers from Asian countries like China and Japan and Vietnam and South Korea. And South Korea is what I chose. Uh, very westernized country, great, people are kind. And so I took really one of the first jobs I had there. So for my first, for the next 18 months, I was essentially overseas teaching English, saving as much money as I could, spending as little as I could. And after about 18 months, I paid all my student loans off. And so this isn't a financial podcast by any means, but my encouragement to you, especially if you're a ministry, is if you have a ton of loans, pay them off. Do everything you can to pay them off because they'll be nothing but a weight to you. They'll block your ministry ability. And so when I got back, I got a job in Alabama as a youth pastor 
and worked as a youth pastor there for about two, two and a half years or so. Um, and then moved here to Marcus Point, where I did middle school ministry for six years and then took a, a year being the interim high school pastor until I transferred into the position that I'm currently in. One thing that I can say that has changed my life the most about being a follower of Jesus is learning how selfish you are. When The closer you are to God, the, the closer you are to your dark sides of yourself also, because God is light and he has to shed light on uh, everything in your house. And so if you, if you imagine your heart and your soul being like a house with no lighting, Jesus comes in and illuminates all that. It's like changing all of your, you know, incandescent bulbs to LEDs. Like you can now see every corner and every shadow. And I think that's a great thing because as you're close to your God in Daniel 11, I actually spoke a message last night, talks about a king who is sweeping a nation, Antiochus, and um, he's trying to destroy Jewish culture. But in Daniel 11, I believe it's verse 32, he says um, he says that the closer you are with God, he, that he will give you strength and you will take action. And what I've seen change in my life the most is the action that God has called me to take uh, to the world, to a sinful world who needs him. Um, who needs to hear about the love of Jesus, who needs to repent from their sin. That's a tough pill to swallow. But if you can't swallow that, you can't swallow the whole gospel. You have to know that part. Um, and and as I've taken that action, I've been closer to God, and He has strengthened me. I hear all the time, you know, especially when I was doing students, you know, oh, you're so good at this and you're so good at that. But none of that matters because without Jesus, I wouldn't have any gifts I wouldn't have really anything to write home about. Jesus gains all the credit that I, I can possibly ever receive because it has nothing to do with me. I was just a kid in a rocking chair that gave my life to Jesus. One of my best friends gave his life to Jesus in the back of a Ford Taurus. It's not about where, it's about why. And when you come to the realization that you need a Savior and that life isn't all about you and that you need someone to come in, clean up the mess that you've made, that we all have, that none of us are better than each other, and you follow Him and that He will give you real purpose in life, there's absolutely nothing better than that. So my encouragement to you listeners is, uh, one, know who God is. Because some of us have just the wrong perspective entirely of God. We either bring God, you know, way too low or we ignore him completely. God is the Lord of the universe and of our lives. He knows our past, present, future, and he wants to have a relationship with you. But we have to be willing to come to the reality that our sin is holding us back. Our evil is holding us back. I even had evil in my life as a simple normally raised teenager sitting in a rocking chair uh, who barely had any of his life, you know, you know, uh, lived yet. And even I at that point could realize. And so some of you, you may be 30, 40 years old and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you're looking back on a lot of the mistakes that you made and a lot of the things that you did that were against God's will. My encouragement to you is, Hey, just know there's a God of love who wants to have a relationship with you. And so that's my encouragement to you guys. Okay, so I, I guess we'll pour it out, Brady. I guess we'll just give me a minute and then uh, and then I'll wrap us up here. Um, but yeah, 
Dude, I know. I have a hard time with those apps, too. Oh, okay. Oh, we're ready. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. I was at the beach literally for like five hours. Is that how long have you been at the beach before, Brady? Have you ever been like all day? That's miserable. I don't know how you do it. I put on sunscreen like four times. I still look like a burnt lobster, you know? And I've, but I've got to say, aloe vera. I didn't even start using it till a couple years ago. Someone's like, you got to put Alvira on, bro. You won't even hurt anymore. It's the absolute truth. That stuff is magic. My wife has this funky looking green bottle in our house, Hawaiian Tropic. And I put that stuff on like, you know, like my neck and my cheeks and my cheekbones chill, you know, my forehead and all that. And dude, I don't even feel it. Like, yeah, I'm warm, but like it's it. Dude, that stuff is like a game changer. All right, I'm done. That's all I really have. I had eight seconds left. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I know it was a simple uh, podcast today, but I just wanted to share my story with you guys. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you are looking for a church home uh, somewhere in the Pensacola area, or maybe you're just coming through the Panhandle and you've got an open Sunday, we would love to have you. Uh, We've got campuses in North Pace and in Beulah, and we're looking to expand even more. We've got two services here at the Pensacola campus at 9 o'clock and 1045. Uh, But God bless you guys. Thank you guys. I'm sorry. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Bye-bye.